I want to read a scripture this morning. And it's out of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 and 9. And this is what it says. Peter's writing, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are being shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Amen. Though for now, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. One of my favorite verses. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, many of you um, have heard uh, a little bit of Robin and mine background and how in the early 70s, living in New Zealand, we were owner-operators of a McDonald's restaurant. And you will have heard the story uh, of us, how God reminded me of a call on my life when I was 18 years of age to come and follow him and to serve him in full-time ministry. 18 years elapsed at the age of 36. The Lord said, Graham, it's time. Come follow me. Now that always sounds so simple. And forgive us, but preachers make it sound simple. You know, they take, we take the very words of Jesus, come follow me, and then we just dump it on you. And we expect everyone to get up and say, yay, Lord, let's go to it. Without explaining that when Christ calls you, there is a cross to follow. There are trials and testings and persecutions, Jesus said, didn't he? If they hated me, they'll hate you. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. He did say that in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And so it was that the Lord called us to full-time ministry, got us out of McDonald's. And there began this uh, process uh, of God refining us and methodically stripping away from us everything that we'd placed our security in or was for reason for carnal pride. You know, it's not until God tests us that we truly begin to know our own heart and who we really are. 
And we can sit and I can sit and say, yes, Lord, amen, Lord, when things are really good. When life is, and this is a New Zealand expression, a box of birds. Don't ask me what it means, but I think it means that everything is going really good. But when trials and testings and hardships and suffering and pain and confusion and bewilderment and everything like that comes into our lives, then we begin to really know the kind of character that we are. D.L. Moody said that character is who we are in the dark. And I can't think for the life of me a darker place than when we're going through trials and testings and tribulations. And that is where our character is revealed. The lifestyle that Maccas had given to us, just couldn't, we, we just couldn't sustain it. Um, I was working for World Vision and Brad was speaking uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago on Peter and John going to the temple and the lame man looking at them expectantly thinking that he might get some money and Peter said to him, look at, straight at me, I've got an important message for you. Silver and gold have I none. I want to tell you just about everybody in full-time ministry can say that. Silver and gold have I none, but what we do have is the grace of God to be able to share and to give in the name of Jesus. So working for World Vision, silver and gold we had not. But we began to receive the grace of God in ways that we could not even begin to imagine. But not before the trial and the testing of our fellowship and our obedience to God's call on our lives was tested to its limit. We sold our furniture so that we could put food on the table. Everything that we could get rid of, we got rid of so we could feed our children. Four children, remember sitting down with them and saying, from now on guys, there's n- you will laugh at this, but this was very serious for our children. There's no more ice cream. <laughs> we have to cut back and cut back severe. We had a mortgage to pay, we had cars to pay off, we sold a car just to get some cash. The mortgage was breathing down our neck. And this was getting really, really tough. Have you been there? You've been in that place? May not be that particular scenario, but you've been there. Come on. Of course you have. When you're so anxious, so fearful, so worried about what might happen. In fact, some of you are right there now. Excuse me. Some of you are right there now, wondering, what is God going to do? How am I? How are we going to get out of this situation? And Robin and I, I, we came to prayer, and I can remember. I, I know the place. It's written indelibly upon my mind. I can see it right now. I can smell it. I know what the day was like, Jen. It was like this day. It was raining and it was overcast. It was a dreadful morning. And we prayed. 
And with tears we prayed. And this is what I said, you're killing us. You're killing us, God. We can't do this. Is there a word that you might give to us? And this is the word that he gave to us. Obviously, it's become one of our most favorite words. One that we often revisit. In the midst of all of our tears and our cry to the Lord, this is his reply to us. And when I first read it, I thought it was a joke. I was not impressed at all by the words of the Lord to me and to us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Well, the lessons that we learnt that day And throughout that period of severe trial and testing, just held us in such a great position for the many, many more trials and testings that were going to come across our path in the years to come. We didn't know that at the time. But God was refining us. And what did Peter say there? That your faith, like gold, refined. See, God is all about refining. And he's refining us because he wants to change the character, our character, into the likeness and the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because you love Jesus, that's exactly what you want. Is to be more like him. Is that not the prayer of your heart? Lord, to be more like you in every situation that comes into my life, to be more like you in trial and testing, to be just like you when, Lord Jesus, you faced the cross, to be more like you who, when you were reviled, when you were persecuted, when you felt God had left you and forsaken you, that you are able to commend and commit your life into his hands and to fully trust in him. Isn't that the, the heartbeat of you this morning? Of course it is, brothers and sisters, because the Holy Spirit is in you. And he's stirring that up even as I speak now. Well... It was Malcolm Muggeridge, the British journalist, who said in an interview with William F. Buckley, as an old man, looking back on one's life, it's one of the things that strikes you most forcibly, that the only thing that's taught one anything is suffering. Not success, 
not happiness, not anything like that. The only thing that really teaches one about lives, about life, is suffering. I believe he's right on the money. And you believe that as well. You know that all too well. That it's when we are in pain, when we are suffering, then we are learning about faith, about God, and about ourselves, and about other people. When I look back on my own life, I can honestly say that the most memorable teaching moments and character-shaping instances were those occasions when I was doing it tough. When I was going through a period of testing and of trial. Now, we all experience trials and testings. Not one person that doesn't experience that. Every person, Christian or non-believer, we all go through trials and we all go through testings. They cause us all kinds of anxiety and pain and confusion. And they can even get us as believers to doubt God's goodness. Where are you, God? Are you sure this is a good plan, God? This is so left field that this is, are you sure you've got it in control? And then when we hear the words that God has got good plans for your life, or we, we quote Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, it just trips off our tongue really nicely. We love that verse, we claim it to ourselves. Yet, through trial and testing, that word is so tested as to whether or not we truly believe in our hearts that that is the word of God and that God is really good. So, in Peter, suffering, trials and testings is just one of the key themes. And he returns to it time and time again throughout the letter if you read um, what he wrote. So we're going to just take a couple of things this morning. Talk a little bit about trials and testings and the things that perhaps we can learn. First of all, we've got to realize and really be honest with ourselves and say that we're not free from trials. In this you greatly rejoice, Peter says, though for now a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Pardon me, we could begin with a reality check right now, couldn't we? <laughs> First, any of us here this morning who thinks that just because we're saved, it's all just roses and, you know, chocolates, well, that's not the case at all. Your own experience tells you that. We are not immune, exempt from trials and sufferings and the things that come into our lives that bring us confusion and pain and anxieties. And so when we hear testimonies uh, like Jackie this morning, 
And I'm sure if I were to say to you this morning, guys, let's just stop right here and now. Let's have a time of testimony about the trials and the testings. First up here, how many of the whole, the whole church should be up here, right? Saying, well, let me tell you about a time when. None of us are exempt. We are, we, we go through different experiences. And being saved doesn't guarantee divine protection from trouble. And Christians lose their jobs. Christians get sick. Christian marriages fall apart. Christian parents have trouble with their children. Christians have financial problems. They are persecuted. And some, many, millions, 25 millions plus in the last hundred years have died for their faith. Christians walk through some pretty deep and dark waters and valleys and Jesus said, as plain as you can get it, in the world, here on earth, he says, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Have you ever noticed the way in which trials come with complete surprise? One moment, everything is all right, and next minute it's not. One moment, your husband's got a job, next minute he hasn't. One moment, your kids are all well and safe and happy, and next minute you get a phone call to say one of them's in hospital. They suddenly come upon you. It's a little bit like Jesus, remember, when he came to the end of the teaching on the Sermon of the Mount and he's wrapping it all up together and and summarizing in in a sense and he's saying, well, you you know, uh, life is like... uh, uh, you know, two men who built their lives, one on sand and one on rock. And then the storm came in. It's sudden. It hits. There's no long weather forecast for trials and testings. You don't go onto the, you know, internet and have a look what the trial and testing weather forecast is for your life. It hits. Bang. Suddenly. And what does Peter say? He says, you know, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal. Don't be surprised by what is going to happen to you. Because it will come on you quickly. It will come on you suddenly. But you can be prepared. In fact, in the early part of the letter, he says, prepare your mind for action, Peter says. Get ready. Know that at any moment, life can change. And just as you're living by faith and and, and trusting God now in the good moment, be prepared to trust God in the bad moment. To hold on to him when things are tough. His encouragement is that, well, Peter's encouragement is that that our suffering, our pain won't last forever. And we will get to an end to it. One of my mum's favourite expressions to me 
when I used to complain as a teenager that I had to do this and I had to do that or my boss wanted this and, and that and it was totally wrong to expect that from me, she would say to me, Son, bad things and good things will come to its end. They both do come to an end. And so our encouragement is that Jesus who is with us will get us through to that end, to that climax. When you think of the area of the trial and the testing that we go through, Peter writes these words. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Oh, just, just hold on to that for a second. Your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Peter says these trials will show that your faith is genuine. How many of us here this morning really want a genuine faith? Come on. Yeah. We don't want to do just this limp, overcooked noodle faith, do we? We want this strong, firm, sure faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. A faith that, that speaks out. God is with me. God will not fail me. I will get through this. He's on my side. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. If God is for me, who can be against me? That's the kind of faith that you want. I know that because you love Jesus. And you know that your faith is what pleases God and you want to please God. So you want to come to him with all the faith you have. Can you hear the words of the disciples? Lord, increase our faith. How does God increase our faith? If through trials and testings our faith is being uh, tested, how does God do that? Well, he brings difficulty. He builds our faith and he brings um, faith to us through the difficulties that we face. Trials and problems and pressures and tough circumstances, they're a fact of life. Can't get away from them. And they come to test, they come to prove our faith. You know, nothing ever happens by accident to a Christian. So what I'm saying is this, is that nothing comes into your life and to my life without God's permission, both the good and the bad. It's Father filtered. Father filters it. The Bible says we know that in all things, so that means, whether good or bad, God works for the good of those who love him. Now, this is the only, one, of the, one of the only promises that are for Christians. So this is a promise for you. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, that's a promise for you. 
For those who love him, if you love Jesus this morning, then he's working all things out, really, for the good. And, and he's doing that right now. See, there's no resting. God's doing that right now in your life. You may not see it, you may not understand it, you cannot maybe perceive it in your own heart. Someone may speak a word of prophecy over you, but that's always dimly, and who knows when that's going to happen. But this you can be 100% sure is that God is working in your life for good right now. No matter the circumstances. So God grows and he fortifies. And I, I chose that word purpose. You fortified faith. Not that link, overcooked noodle faith. But fortified faith. And it comes through testings and trials. Faith's like a muscle. It's got to be stretched. It's got to be pulled. And just like muscles develop through exercise and tested against weights, so your faith and my faith only develops that's tested. Now, I'm just uh, perhaps finish up right now. Just with one other point, and truly, there is so so much you can get from God's word on on this particular subject, right? Not only Peter, but James, you know, uh, how he taught also on trials and testings about James chapter 1. Well, Peter reminds us that we've got an enemy that's fully raging against us. Don't know if you saw David Attenborough last night. Man drives me crazy with all the millions and billions of years it takes to evolve and you know and he holds uh, some kind of embryonic thing in his hand that it's not even you know it's an animal and he says well this is you know millions of years later this is what we evolved from putting that aside <laughs> um he he's he's showing um, uh, the the life of lions and how they track their prey and how they wait for the right time to pounce. And so Peter um, says this in um, chapter 5 and verses 8 to 9 of 1 Peter. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Brothers and sisters, you can't stand against Satan unless you're strong in your faith because he's the one that's whispering into your ear. You you can't trust God. You see, God's got this all wrong. He's messing up your life. He's he's stripping you of the things that bring you comfort and security. You can't trust God. And so Peter is saying, be careful, be alert, be watchful, because he's, he's just seeking out someone who's not strong and firm in their faith, and he goes, target. I'll head for him, or I'll head for her. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering as you. And Peter knew that. 
Because if you read Acts chapter 4 through the uh, chapter 12, you will, you will just see what Peter went through. And uh, again, from Brad's sermon, you know, pulled in front of the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders and beaten and, and threatened and the whole bit. And that's why I guess he was able to say, brothers and sisters, don't be surprised by what is going to happen. You own the name of Jesus. I want to tell you something this morning. There's no greater name that you can own other than the name of Jesus. You are Christians. I can get really passionate about this. You are Christians. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. God's got his stamp all over you as belonging to him. You are a Christian. And so he writes, Dear friends, don't be surprised what might happen to you. And he knew that not only some of those he was writing to, but his own very life would be taken by by Nero, he would be dead. Well, the enemy is hard upon us. And I'll finish with this story. I've got a dear friend whom I've known for many, many years. He's Indian. He lives in Adoni in the state of Andhra Pradesh in India. I've known him for many, many years. I knew him when he was 36 years of age and he had an 18-month-old baby, little girl, beautiful. This man planted a church right smack bang in the middle of a Naxal territory. Naxals were the militant, uh, the militant communists in India. He planted a church... And God blessed the ministry. So he gathered some, a small group of Christians, maybe a dozen. And then he thought, I will walk to the next village and I'll preach the gospel there and plant another church. And he did. One day he's back and he's walking from one village to the other through a forest area, almost jungle. Out of nowhere, the Naxalites appear. They grab him, throw him up against a tree and stick a gun right under his heart. And they say to him, renounce, deny this Jesus Christ or we'll kill you right now. Now I know Joshi, he's a lovely man, but he's just like you and I. And I want to tell you, his knees went to water. Don't ever think that, and don't ever presume that just because, you know, we can stand here and say, oh yes, I can stand up for Jesus Christ and I'll not deny him. You get a loaded weapon under your heart and let's see how brave I am. What they didn't know, the Naxalites and Joshi, is that there was somebody watching this. A Christian from one of uh, the church plants happened to be walking the same route between villages and 
He saw what happened. He ran to the closest village, grabbed as many Christians as he could because they were most of them out working. So he's grabbed them and they've run back to the location. And there they are, still threatening him. And Joshi, in his own words, says something happened. This boldness came into him. This strength and this courage just came into his very being. And he said to them, kill me, because I will never stop preaching the gospel. Just then, these Christians burst into the scene, into, uh, upon the scene, throwing everything into confusion. The Christians said this to the Naxalites, you may kill our pastor. How'd you like that, Brad? <laughs> Sticking him out against the wall, right? All you guys, right? He got a gun in the, under his heart. And, uh, and you all come in and you go, hey, shoot the pastor! Well, that's what they did. They said, shoot the pastor, but first, kill us. Because this man has told us the message of life and of forgiveness. And it's, we're willing to lay down our own lives, um, for that. Kill us first, then him. Well, that threw them all into confusion. So they threatened, there was a lot more to the stories, but they threatened Joshi and the Christians and told them to go and never to preach the word again. Well, Joshi couldn't withstand the temptation and preached the word faithfully for many years. Now, guys, I saw him in 2011. How you doing, Joshy? He was with some other pastors. They were laughing and joking around. I said, how you doing, Joshy? So I'm good, brother. I'm really good. How are things in the area? Things are still very, very touchy. And then he started to speak in Telugu um, um, with the rest of the guys and they all burst out laughing. And so I turned to one of the other Indians who speaks impeccable English. I said, what did he say? And he said, well... You don't know the rest of the story, what's happened since. Listen to this. He said the the Naxalites gathered the whole church up, lined them up facing the river with Joshi. Lined them all up. Told them to look in the river and say their farewells to their wives and their children because they were with them. Then they heard the automatic weapons being cocked or whatever they do and they stood there just waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and and nothing. And they turned around and they were gone. And so, instead of putting more fear in them, they put more courage in them. And so they continued to preach and proclaim the gospel to this very day, seeing many come to know Christ. Why am I using that as an example? 
For surely that goes into persecution more than just trials and testings. But there is and were some incredible trials for Joshi to go through. Will he continue on or give up? Well, he didn't give up. Brothers and sisters in Christ, beloved in the Lord Jesus, don't give up. Stay firm in your faith. Trials and testings come to us all. They're growing your faith, which is far more precious to God than anything. How, how else is he going to do anything more with you if your faith does not grow? So therefore you would say, more Lord. Because I want my faith to be strong and firm. So don't give up. Persevere. Because as the word says, at the end, we will receive this crown of glory for all of those who know and love him. This morning, I make I, no assumptions whatsoever. Do you know this Lord Jesus Christ? This one, would you be prepared, you know, many, if not everyone here, would be willing to give their lives for, but this morning you say to yourself, who is this Jesus that these people are so radically committed to? Well, he is the Lord. He is your Savior. He's the one that took your sin upon himself. He suffered so that you would not have to suffer eternal disconnection from him in hell itself. So if you don't know him this morning, open your heart to him. And let him come and fill you. And the church in their heart of hearts said, Amen. Father, we just love to speak about our Lord Jesus Christ. We just love to speak about the gospel that has saved us so powerfully and given to us new life in Christ. We thank you, Father, And we rejoice in the trials and testings that come into our lives. Lord Jesus, though we do not see you, we love you. And our hearts are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy because we are receiving the salvation of our souls. And we thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.